0: Welcome to Mana for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional, which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It is the 19th of April. We have a beautiful 73 degree temperature, pretty nice this morning, overcast. We're still enjoying April. If you guys come next year down here, you could stay to the end of April. It's being, it's staying that nice. We do want to look into this day in history and a dad joke or two and see what's going on there. This day in trivia on April 19th, the Oklahoma City bombing, April 19th, 1995. The Murray Federal Building in Oklahoma City was bombed, killing 168 people, injuring 680 others, and causing $652 million from the damage. Largest domestic terror attack in the United States to date. It was carried out by Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols. And, of course, why? Because it was McVeigh or Nichols, I don't remember which one, said it was in retribution for Waco. They carried it out exactly two years later. On April 19, 1993, there was a 51-day stand-up between federal agents and David Koresh of the Branch Davidians. And they put holes in the wall and put in tear gas, which the Davidians said started a fire. The government said the Davidians started the fire. Many people were died in the fire. The, agents, the federal agents said no shots were fired. But the article says here that the examiner reporting to the federal law enforcement personnel said that 20 people, including five children under the age of 14, had been shot. And a three-year-old had been stabbed in the chest, and David Koresh was shot in the head, but it's not known if it was suicide. Hmm, very sad. Very, very, very sad. And here's an interesting one for our year the movie Soylent Green how, how many of you guys remember that I remember that it was freaky why the Soylent Green it was all about life in 2022 the whole movie was about 2022 it was filmed in 1973 or it came out it was released on April 19th 1973 and the whole movie's premise is there was overpopulation food shortages climate change and they needed a food source, and so they came up with Soylent Green, which we all knew was people. They were they were <laughs> processing people that were dying, and they were feeding them to the population. Well, there we go for that. Let's look at some something on a little more <laughs> humorous side of things. Hmm. Where are we on the list? I went to a seafood disco last week pulled a muscle. <laughs> what do you call a typo on a head st- <laughs> on a headstone, <laughs> a grave mistake? Um, I would agree. So if you will find your way over to Joshua, we will get started. We are in Joshua nine and 10. I hope I updated that. I probably forgot to update that before we uh, started which means i'll have the old yesterday's reading on there but be that as it may we will continue on in joshua 9 father god thank you for blessing us and we will uh just be your your servants today as we pass through this easter week god we thank you for the renewed strength the renewed understanding and, and excitement and joy of knowing that our God is alive, that you reign, that you are all powerful, and that you are coming back to transform us and to resurrect us as well. So thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 9, the guile of the Gibeonites. Now, when it came about, when all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland and in all of the coast of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Pizarite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard of it, that, they gathered themselves together with one accord to fight with Joshua and with Israel. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they also acted craftily and sent out as envoys and took worn out sacks with their donkeys and wineskins, worn out and torn and mended, and worn out and patched sandals on their feet, worn out clothes on themselves, and all the bread of their provisions was dry and had become crumbled. They went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him, And to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country now, therefore make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you are living within the land. How then should we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. Then Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? They said to him, your servants have come from a very far country because of the fame of the Lord your God. And we have heard the report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who are beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, the king of Og, the king of Bashan, who was at Astroth. So our elders and all our inhabitants of our country spoke to us saying, take provisions in your hand for the journey and go to meet them and say, we are your servants. Now then make a covenant with us. This, our bread was warm when we took it from our provisions out of the houses on the day that we left to come to you. But now behold, it is dry and has become crumbled. These wineskins which we filled were new and behold, they are torn. These are our clothes and our sandals are worn out because of the very long journey. So the men of Israel took some of the provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them, made a covenant with them and let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. Then it came about at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within the land. Then the sons of Israel set out and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Jephira and Baroth and Kiriath-Jerim. The sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. And all the leaders said to the whole congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them, even let them live, so that wrath will not be upon us for the oath which we have sworn to them. The leaders said to them, Let them live. So they became hewers of wood and and drawers of water for the whole congregation, just as the leaders had spoken to them. Then Joshua called for them and spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are very far from you when you are living within our land. Now, therefore, you are cursed, and you shall never cease being slaves, both hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, Because it was Certainly told your servants that the Lord your God had commanded his servants Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore we feared greatly for our lives because of you and have done this thing. Now behold, we are in your hands, do as it seems good and right in your sight to do to us. Thus they did to them and delivered them from the hands of the sons of Israel, and they did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water, for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place which he would choose. Chapter 10. Now it came about when Adonai Zedek king of Jerusalem heard that Joshua had captured Ai and had utterly destroyed it just as he had done to Jericho and its king so that he had done to Ai and its king that the inhabitants of Gibeon made peace with Israel and were within the land that he feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent word to Horem, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, and to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, come up to me and help me, and let us attack Gibeon for it has made peace with Joshua and with the sons of Israel. So the five kings of the Amorites and the kings of, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of, of Lachish, and the king of Heglon gathered together and went up. They with all their armies encamped by Gibeon and fought against it. Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. And help us for all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of the war with him and all the valiant warriors. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not one of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal and the Lord confounded them before Israel and he slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and pursued them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as of Azekah and Makedah and they fled from before Israel while they were at the descent of Beth Horon the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah and they died there were more who died from the hailstones than those from whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in that day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel, and he said to the, in the sight of Israel, O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of man for the Lord fought for Israel. And Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp at Gilgal. Verse 16, now these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in the cave at Macada. It was told Joshua saying five kings had been found hidden in the cave of Macada. Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and assign men by it to guard them, but do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies and attack them in the rear. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. It came about when Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished slaying them with a great slaughter. Until they were destroyed, and the survivors who remained with them had entered the fortified cities, that all the people returned to the camp to Joshua in Machaerus in peace. No one uttered a word against any of the sons of Israel. Then Joshua said, "Open the mouth of the cave and bring out these five kings out to meet me from the cave." They did so and brought these five kings out to him from the cave: the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish the king of Eglon, and they brought these kings out to Joshua. Joshua called all the men of Israel, and they said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came near and put their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, do not fear, be dismayed, be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies with whom you fight. So afterward, Joshua struck them, put them to death, and he hanged them on five trees, and they hung All on the trees until evening. And it came about at sunset that Joshua gave command that they took them down from the trees and threw them into the cave where they had hidden themselves and put large stones over the mouth of the cave to this day. Now Joshua captured Makedon on that day and struck it and its kings with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed it and every person who was in it. He left no survivors. Thus he did to the king of Makedon just as he had done to the king of Jericho. Verse 29. Then Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Makedon to Libna and fought against Libnon, the Lord gave it also with its king into the hands of Israel, and he struck it, and every person who was in it with the edge of the sword, he left no survivor in it, thus he did to its king just he had done to the king of Jericho. Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Libna to Lachish, and they camped by it and fought against it. And the Lord gave Lachish into the hands of Israel, and he captured it on the second day. He struck it, and and every person who was in it with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to Libna. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish, and Joshua defeated him and his people until he had left him no survivors. And Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Lachish to Eglon, and they camped by it and fought against it. They captured it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword, and he utterly destroyed that day every person who was in it according to all that he had done to Lachish. Then Joshua and all Israel with him went up from Eglon to Hebron, and they fought against it, and he captured it, struck its king and all the cities and the persons who were in it with the edge of the sword. He left no survivor according to all that he had done to Eglon and he utterly destroyed it and every person who was in it. Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to Debir and they fought against it. He captured it with its king and all its cities and they struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed every person who was in it. He left no survivors just as he had done to Hebron. So he did to Debir and its king as he had also done to Libna and his king, then Joshua struck all the land, the hill country, and the Negev, and the low land, and the slopes, and all their kings. He left no survivors, but utterly destroyed all who breathed, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. Joshua struck them from Kadesh Barnea, even as far as Gaza, and all the hill country, and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. Joshua captured all these kings and their lands at one time because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. So Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp at Gilgal. There you have this beginning of the great conquest of Israel with them obeying the Lord, not hiding things, not taking things that were not supposed to be taken under the ban. And so they're off to a good start, although (laughs) they get deceived by the Gibeonites. They're doing good, but they have to remember that the attacks from the enemy come from many different sides. They were ready for the on the onslaught of a war, direct war. They were not ready for the stealthy attack of deception, which is probably more so what, how he attacks today. So we notice that uh, they come in, deceive them completely, say they're someone they're not, and course joshua and the elders don't pray about it and they go yeah you know it looks like you're the real deal looks like you come from a far country we'll believe you sure okay we'll make a covenant with you and then they find out the truth now what's interesting is how did gilgal know about israel in the first place how did they know that if they went and made a treaty with them that they wouldn't wipe them out anyway there seems to be to have some little bit of knowledge about how the Israelites work, that they're people of their word, people of their oaths. Uh, I don't think that would be something that a lot of Canaanites would be uh, known for, for for holding on to an oath after they made it because they, they were so vile in so many different ways. But it could be that they had spies, and they could have heard them at Mount Gilgal, at, at Ebal, um, and Gerizim, and Gerizim, when they were read the entire law all day, and they heard the blessings and the cursings, and they knew that, uh, that God had commanded them to wipe out all the land of Canaan. Somehow they knew that. So rather than join the other kings, you would think they would go, wait a minute, we got five kings, we'll be six. We're a huge city, we got lots of soldiers. Hey, we'll just unite with those guys and go against them. They say, no, they understand we can't win. And it they show a lot of sense, common sense here. I mean they did understand they crossed the Red Sea. God opened that. God opened up the Jordan for them to cross through. They fought against Og, a giant and all his people. They won against him. They won against Sion. The walls of Jericho had fallen down. AI was totally burned. So they're seeing all of this, and they're going, wait a minute, something's going on with these people. They have a powerful God behind them. And these military believers, remember, believed that there was powerful spiritual entities that did exist, and they did help armies, so they said, we can't defeat this God. So they, they unify them, they deceive them, and you've got to be careful. The application for us is you've got to be careful of deception, in the church and people coming against coming into your life and and pretending to be christians pretending to be nice people to gain something from you to manipulate you uh and get what they want from you you have to be so careful of that while well, they do and of course they become hewers of wood and carriers of water and those kinds of things um so the the good news is that god can use your mistakes we can make tremendous blunders and uh, Joshua did something he should not have done. But once he found out his mistake, well, he was able to put his mistake to work for him, <laughs> literally. I really blew it here, Lord, but hey, might as well make it, let it work for us. And so they started carrying water, that kind of thing. And to the temple, but I mean, to the tabernacle, right? Did they, it, they actually used them to help them in their worship of God. and. You have to wonder what the transformation, what that would have been like for a Gibeonite to be entering into around the tabernacle and seeing the pillar of cloud. What would it be like for them to see the manna fall? Of course, by this time, I'm sorry, the manna just stopped. The manna just stopped by this time. But um, so there, it seems less of the miraculous. But still, God is winning victory after victory. It would have been something for them to, to see. I'm sure they were very glad they deceived them and made that covenant. Um, and then the long day of Joshua and the hailstones this long day of joshua has been one of the major things that have stumbled people and and um, agnostics and so i just can not believe the bible you know long day of joshua this is impossible but we do have extra biblical um sources that do talk about a long day we do have a a weird orbit around the sun 365 365 days and and, and a half you know we got all these hours and minutes and Some people that are very brilliant that uh, can think very clearly in the mathematics and uh, astrological stuff do say that there is something there. There is some very interesting facts and and information to back up the long day of Joshua. Now, the one thing that got out on the internet in the early days was this whole thing about the NASA scientists doing a search on their supercomputer and going back and finding out there was a missing day. I heard that when I first got saved, I thought, "Yeah, that's cool. That I'm sure that's true." That turned out to be not true. Uh, there weren't NASA scientists and went back on a com- supercomputer and calculated and found out there was a missing day. Now I believe that they would if they did, uh, but that particular story did not pan out to be something that was accurate. But other people have have done um, these charts and astrological charts. Um, I mean, the, the orbits of the planets and these kind of things, and have come up with some anomalies that do support the long day of Joshua, along with other cultures, many other cultures that talk about a long day. The, the Chinese, I believe it's the Aztecs. I don't remember if it's the Aztecs, but I have a book that I've read that talks about the different cultures, that talks about this long night See if it was a long day, there. It was a long night somewhere else on the other side of the world. Right, makes sense. So they talk about a long night that lasted for a whole night, uh, other night, or something like that. So it's worth investigating, and it's interesting, and that uh, you can, you know, the science catches up with the Bible. The Bible doesn't need to catch up with science. The science will prove that out. You, we will find all of the evidence. It is there. As well as you know the hailstones, that's not something we can find out from historical science, but it is kind of interesting how those those um, the first smart bombs were from God that that uh, could home in directly on their target. These hailstones only killed the bad guys, didn't kill the Israelites pursuing them, and more were killed from that than from the Israelites. Uh, and of course, we know that hail stones stoning someone was a, was a type of judgment god judged sin by stoning people and it was god who judged these kings by stoning them to death it's really stoning them from heaven with large hailstones <laughs> bizarre but we see there there is god god was serious about these people's sin and they really really were bad sinners you have to keep that in your mind when you read about these bloody wars and, and these people being dead, you have to remember how incredibly vile their system was and they were they were tossing babies into the fire all the time uh, with these orgies and these unbelievable demonic worship services that were glorifying everything that was evil and of blood and everything else well god judges them and what do the kings do they run into the cave I think the kings ran into the cave because, hey, after you see a long day that's supernatural and your armies are losing and you see hailstones coming down and killing all your soldiers, you realize pretty quick you're not fighting against another army. You're fighting against an all-powerful god, and you're not going to win. So these guys just check out. They go, (laughs) we're just going to take care of ourselves. We don't care about our soldiers. We're going to try and survive. And they go running into a cave. Now, why is that significant? Well, number one, I mean, it's stupid. You can't get out there. Once they go in there, there's no way to escape. They don't think about that. But it's almost as if God wanted that scenario to happen because we know in the latter days in the book of of, um, Revelation that the kings of the earth, when they see God is the one that is bringing down this wrath, the wrath of the Lamb, that they, these people are dying and all of, and there's hailstone coming down. There's all kinds of stuff coming down on the earth. They go hide in caves and actually pray for the rocks to fall on them. They're so full of fear. So this is a modeling of what's going to happen in the future when God judges. This is God's judgment on the mini scale in this one area to give us kind of a flavor, kind of understand what's going to happen in the book of Revelation. Pretty, pretty astounding, scary, but real. All right. the um let's look into charles spurgeon an expert searcher for thus saith the lord god behold i even i will both search my sheep and seek them out ezekiel 34 11 this he does at the first when his elect are like wandering sheep that know not the shepherd or the fold how wonderfully Doth the Lord find out his chosen? Jesus is great as a seeking shepherd, as well as a saving shepherd. Though many of those his father gave him have gone as near to hellgate as they can get, yet the Lord, by searching and seeking, discovers them and draws nigh to them in grace. He has sought them out. Let us have good hope for those who are laid upon our hearts in prayer, for he will find them out also. The Lord repeats this process when any of his flock stray from the pastures of truth and holiness. They may fall into gross error, sad sin, and grievous hardness. But yet the Lord, who has become a surety for them to his Father, will not suffer one of them to go so far as to perish. He will be providence and and grace pursue them unto foreign lands, into abodes of poverty, into dens and obscurity, into depths of despair. He will not lose one of all that the Father has given him. At this, it is a point of honor with Jesus to seek and to save all the flock, without a single exception. What a promise to plead. If at this hour I am compelled to cry, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Beautiful. (laughs) We can always trust in the power of our Savior to seek us out. And this is really important as we are in these times of such uncertainty when Christians are the ones who have all this hope are falling into fear and falling into anxiety of not knowing where to go or where to turn. We can be assured that our Savior and our, our Shepherd is there. He's willing to come and take hold of us and carry us if need be. So please remember that. Find your hope in that. That He'll never let you wander too far. He'll always be there. He will look for you. He will find you. You have to be the one who will then receive his presence and say, I am ready. Carry me. Bring me home. I've wandered too far away. I need to come home. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. We have... For the cool weather we thank you for bringing us into your presence again and helping us Father to keep our minds and our hearts focused upon you giving this giving us these understandings within the in your word God of the the power that you have amongst the the nations of the world and now no man can stand before you and yet those who go before you and ask you to be their God and their savior and their guide you will by your by your own covenant go before them and lead them but you won't forsake them even though they may wander father let us learn the lessons from israel of their victories of the things they did right but also of all their mistakes and their errors help us god not to make covenants and pacts with the world when its only desires to manipulate and ultimately destroy us help us god to be in this world, but not of us and of it. Help us to be transformers of the worlds, of the world, and, and not complacent, and um, and kind of being absorbed into it. And Father, as we see all of these things going around us, may we just give us more desire to pray, the more desire to to ask you to be the one that do the battle, that you be the one that be transforming lives and going out and fighting for us. Israel is facing so many uncertainties right now. God, we do ask you to be their strength now as you have been in the the past. But God, help them not form, form alliances with pagan nations that are not of you. Help their leaders pray and ask God. Ask you if it is your will for them to form these alliances or not. Give them wisdom not to be deceived. Give them power, God in the sense that they can stand up against the mightiest of all the kings, no matter how many kings come against them, that if they could put their trust in you, you could take down any number of nations that are, that would come against them, as you have done in the past. So we thank you for protecting them. We thank you, God, for the wisdom they have displayed in the past. And we pray for the, the hearts of the Palestinians and the Arabs around there, that they might come humbly before you and come to know you as lord and savior as well as the jews that there would be a transformation of that of the whole middle east as you come you, the time draws near for you to come back that they would come and fall down before you and come to know you as lord and savior and in ukraine god the same thing for so many people are now fleeing and, and have no certainty of their future they live in fear they don't know what happened to their loved ones Father, we want to pray specifically for a mom whose name is Natasha, and her daughter's name is Victoria, she's 13 years old. Ukrainians fleeing Ukraine. God, we have friends in the United States in Virginia who's trying to get them to access into the United States. We are praying, God, that you would help, help this mom and her daughter receive permission to come into the United States. God, give them the right avenue, the right uh, travel plan to be able to come either here to Mexico or Canada or somewhere else to find a way that they can be received into the United States as refugees. Um, We've been asked to pray for that specifically by our friends in Fredericksburg, Mike and Carly's good friends. So Father, we want to ask that you would open up a, a doorway for this mom and her daughter who have to travel by themselves who have a family in the United States, who want to help but need, Father, your assistance to get them there. So special prayer for them, God. And Father, we want to lift up those that are sick, those that are in a lot of pain, certainly just all of us that have the joint pain and the muscle pain. God, we need our mobility. Please show us how. There's exercise, diet, or your hand miraculously touching us. God, whatever it is, just please give us the mobility to pray for Ray and her foot and what's going on there and the pain she's suffering. And You get take care of that. Renee and her neck and her back. That's just because of her working so hard that you give her relief from that and mobility and flexibility today without pain. My shoulder, God, I need you to heal and touch that. It's been ongoing for too long. But now for my brother Francisco, who's recovering with his tumor, um, getting better. God, please just get him up where he can communicate and talk and feel himself again. Special prayer for that one. Carlos, in Mexico City. Now that he's met with the neurologist, God, that he knows what needs to be done. But um, we continue to pray, God. It's always, always a joy to hear that you are shrinking those tumors supernaturally. We've seen it done. We've seen you do it in the past, so we would continue to ask you to do it even now amongst our brother there. And that you would be touching those that have this ongoing serious cancer, like Maria Elena. Keep her strong, keep her going, keep her happy, joyful. Uh, Nabil and Susie, Susie with her situation, God, keep her focus on you and on serving. And let her just <laughs> beat this cancer by... by uh, her stubbornness, her age, and her faith. God, we pray a long life for her that she can, in one sense, die of natural causes and, and the cancer never gain a foothold over her life. So we pray for that. And uh, we, we think Pastor Joe is up and about and healed. We thank you for that. Um, Carlos Elizondo has got a cancer father, a senior. Pray for him, for his healing. Uh, as well as Karen Skoog and, uh, and Hank, of course, will lift them up to you. So thank you for all that you are doing. Thank you for the kids It went to the VBS and their new faith, the people that just received you, the young kids and what you're doing there, the new people that came to church for, for um, Easter and those that came back and heard a challenge, God, that it's time to come home. It's time to let you be their Lord and Savior. God, may you do a miracle in bringing the lost sheep home. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, that does it for me, so I'm going to say goodbye, and we will see you again tomorrow, same time. God bless you all.